Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I had a, uh, had a flashback while you're turning to 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. A flashback that I was back at Parkway where I got saved. And uh, we used to have music groups come in periodically. And boy, we had great times when those music groups came in. And I looked, I listened to our praise team and we have several praise teams, but as I listened to our praise team today, I thought, these people could go on the road. I mean, these people could go to churches and, and perform concerts and a great anointing is on their lives. We are so blessed in this church to have the music people that we have. What a blessing they are. And the teachers and preachers. This is a great church. I hope you don't have to go to a hospital and be there for a while to miss it. You'll be glad to get back. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. And then verse 16, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Remember this, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You gotta get this, this is the heart of the message. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal. Angels are eternal. God is eternal. Heaven is eternal. Hell is eternal. Everything else is temporal. So I'm going to preach this message today. And the message is entitled, What do you think you are surrounded by? What do you think you are surrounded by? God bless you. You may be seated. Life has many dimensions. I couldn't possibly cover them all, but I'm going to talk about two dimensions today. And I'm going to begin with the negative. And the negative is this. There is what we call the problem 
dimension, the problem dimension. You've heard this saying, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you have to live with the turkeys. I, I don't know about you, but I had a, uh, a situation this past week that at first was very frustrating, and then it actually became comical. And, and it has to do with my brother. My brother this week, I'm glad to see my brother today. He's looking good. But he had a, he had a rough week this week, and, and he seems to be doing much better now. But he had to have a, uh, an MRI on Friday. And so he said, hey, brother, can you help me out? I, I need some transportation on Friday um, because I can't drive after the MRI. And I said, yeah, sure, we can work that out. And so his appointment was and I'm gonna get this wrong, but his appointment was one time, and I live by a schedule. Of course, my schedule can be interrupted at any time with your emergency, I know that, but I'm an organized, probably over-organized person. If you saw my desk right now, there would not be a scrap of paper on it. I mean, that's just who I am, okay? I'm not saying that's good, but that's who I am. So I'm an organized person, and I, I keep appointments and everything, and I stay on a schedule. And so I set up my schedule according to his schedule. So Thursday night, he calls me up and says, the hospital called. They said, I have to come in an hour earlier. I said, well, brother, you know, I, I have appointments tomorrow. I mean, how do I just tell somebody that I can't meet with them when, when they've scheduled well in advance? I, how do I do that? And he said, well, he said, I think my wife can take me there and you can pick me up at 1230. I said, well, I'm really sorry, but you know, I, I guess we're gonna have to do that. So I thought that was kind of inconsiderate of the hospital. I'm just telling you, I'm being an open book with you, you know. Hey, I, we got lives too, you know. I'm glad you got an extra opening, but we're not just sitting around waiting for you to schedule our lives. And so at 12.30, I go there to pick him up. And I said, uh, I'm Rick Kiley, I'm here to pick up Steve Kiley at 12.30. Oh, he's not gonna be ready for two and a half hours. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, two and a half hours? He had a scheduled appointment, it was gonna take this long, his recovery is this long, and 12.30 is when he's supposed to get out. Well, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Come back in two and a half hours. So I... Juggled a little more and came back two and a half hours later. Now it's three o'clock. And, and uh, I said, I'm here to pick up Steve Kiley. Well, he's not going to be ready for two and a half hours. I said, that's what you told me two and a half hours ago. She said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I said, ma'am, I have come from Oconomowoc twice today to pick up my brother. I'm not getting good information here. Well, I don't know what to tell you, sir. He's not going to be ready. And, and you know, on my way home from the second trip, I thought to myself, this is just a test of my spirit. This really can't happen. You know, a hospital is an organized place, right? Don't you think of a hospital as an organized place? I mean, if you call them up and say, hey, I, you know, I really need an appointment in a couple hours, they're going to say, sorry, sir, I mean, you're going to get in line. We run things by a schedule here. But do you know that most of our problems 
are dressed up as people. We think the problem is the person that we're having a problem with. But I'm beginning to think that there's a problem dimension and the enemy is behind it. Take a look at Ephesians 6 and 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let me stop here. Your problem is not another person. There's a spiritual activity that goes on every day. It's a good and evil thing. And, and God and Satan can use people. They both use people. It's against principalities. It's against powers and rulers of darkness of this world. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places. Somebody offends you. You're gonna, you have the option to hate that person for the rest of your life. But that's not the real problem. The problem is, is that you got offended and you think it's a person. It's a spirit. It's a test. It's a trial. And if it wasn't that person, it would be another person. The names are changed to protect the guilty. But it is a, it's a spiritual problem. And if we are sheep, then Satan is a wolf. Now, I, I don't know a lot about wolves, and I'm not going to give you a study on wolves this morning, but I, I know that wolves prefer to attack by packs. They look for a sheep that is sickly or has wandered away from the eye of the shepherd, the one that kind of goes off by itself, and they corner that sheep and they devour that sheep. I've also come to know that, that wolves attack from the back. They usually don't have a frontal attack. They snarl and they show their teeth, but they usually don't attack from the front. They attack from the back. I learned this even up in Crandon, Wisconsin. We, I don't know why, but we recently, a few years ago, somebody in their infinite wisdom decided that we needed wolves in northern Wisconsin. I don't think we need wolves, but they thought we needed wolves. So they released all these wolves, and the wolves started killing all the deer and, and smaller animals and prey, and, and, and they became very vicious. And the wolves actually learned how to kill dogs. And these hunters up in northern Wisconsin, up in the area that I, uh, I go deer hunting in, they hunt bears with dogs, and they have these expensive dogs. And so the dogs get on the trail of a bear, and they chase it. But if the dogs get too far ahead of the hunter, the wolves would follow the barking dogs and come from behind them and leap on their back bite them in the neck and snap their neck. And then when the dead dog laid there, they would devour the dog as quickly as they could until the hunter arrived, and then they'd run away. Satan is a wolf. He attacks 
in packs. He comes from the back seeking whom he may devour. I would like to say to you, stay close to the flock. Stay under the supervision of the great shepherd. Do not wander off where a wolf could find you and possibly devour you because the shepherd is able to protect you. He is far above, according to Ephesians 1 and 21, above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, and everything that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world which is to come. Stay close to the flock. Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful to prayer. Be, f- be faithful to biblical readings each day. And if you fail, get up and try harder the next day. But be faithful to the things you know. Don't wander off and become devoured. Greater is he, according to 1 John chapter 4, that is in us than he that is in the world. But I want to shift to the second dimension because I really want to emphasize this even more than the problem dimension. I call it the promise dimension. The promise dimension. Matthew 21 and 21 says, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you will not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also you will say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it shall be done. So Jesus is saying, that we have the ability to speak a word of faith to a mountain and it is to be cast in the sea. Now here's my question to you. How many mountains did Jesus ever cast into the sea? How many times did he ever say to the Judean mountains, hey, you know what, I don't want you there anymore. I want you over here in the sea. How many? Zero. Want to know why? Because he wasn't talking about rocks. He was talking about obstacles in your life. He was talking about the problem dimension that came around you. He was talking about what you felt overcome by. Something that was bigger and more majestic than you. That's your problem dimension. Whatever that may be, and it's entirely different for all of us. We can be overcome by fear and anxiety, unforgiveness and bitterness. We can be worried about the future and living in the past. By the way, I I think I've mentioned this to you before. Those that live in the past have no future. But we can be so worried about the future that we can't enjoy a moment. We don't have a moment's rest. That's why Jesus said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Today is the day of salvation. Don't worry, he said, about tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day. We need to start living one day at a time, one moment at a time, instead of living in the past or worrying about the future. We need to live in the present because yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. 
Live in the present. Live in the moment. Don't talk about what you're gonna do one year from now. Oh, someday I'm gonna be a great this or a great that. Be a great this or a great that today. Live in the present. So how do we live in the promise dimension? Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 22. Israel was surrounded by at least three nations. They didn't know what to do. But in 2 Chronicles 20.20, and isn't that unique? You need 20.20 vision. 20.20. 2 Chronicles 20.20. They rose up early in the morning. They went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood up and he said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And then he got together, he consulted. In the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom and safety. And he got together with people that he thought were trustworthy, people of faith. And he consulted with them. And they came up with this plan. Let's appoint some singers. Let's get all the singers together and let them sing unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. How's that for a battle plan, General Patton? What are we going to do today? Well, we're going to march around this city for six days and then seven times on the seventh day. What? Well, today we're going to get all the singers out front and we're going to have a worship service. What? Well, today we're going to whittle our army down from 32,000 to 300 and then we're going to put them up in the mountains and we're going to light torches and blow trumpets and break pitchers. What? What kind of strategy is that? It's the strategy that God gives. It's praise and it's worship. And God does his best work in that atmosphere. Watch what happens here. This is what happens as a result of what they do. And when they began to sing and to praise... The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Let me tell you what I see when I read this. This is what I see. I see three nations around Judah showing their teeth, about to devour them. But God inspires Jehoshaphat and those that consult him. And they decide that what they're going to do is they're going to come out with their hands up. And they're going to lift their hands in the air and they're going to begin to sing praises to God and to his holiness. And they're going to let God fight this battle. And God... This is the key part of this message. God has the enemy surrounded. 
Oh, no, no, we're the ones that are surrounded. No, no, you're wrong. You're not surrounded with just your problem. You're surrounded with God's promises. And your problems are the ones that are surrounded. The Lord said, now I'm going to ambush them. Now, you know what an ambush is? It's when you attack somebody and they're not suspecting it. They've walked into an ambush. And they are easily defeated. They did. They played right into your hand. I want you to know your problems are playing right into God's hands. And they are about to be smitten. If you would come out with your hands up and begin to praise and worship God. All of your strength, all of your knowledge, all of your talent, all of your ability is not enough to defeat your enemies. But your praise, your prayer, your worship will set ambushments against your enemies and your problems. God will do. You will not have to fight in this battle. The Lord will fight for you. That's why we begin every service with worship when we come here. You know why? Because you had a tough day at work. Wednesday night comes, man, I see people come in here. I know they're tired. They've worked hard all day. They're trying to show themselves to be faithful unto God but they're wore out. Some of them don't get a chance to eat their supper before they get here. Their day has been so long. They come right from work to church. They're faithful. Well, what are you gonna start with? We're gonna start with praise and worship. We're gonna ask you to just put the eraser to what happened during the day, close your eyes, and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're going to ask you to just lift up his name here, just for a few minutes. We're just going to worship God. And when people are sincere and they really worship God, they are released. I'm so glad for the freedom we have in this church, too. The liberty that we have. So glad for that. I can remember coming to a Pentecostal church with no liberty. This is the way I came to church. Hands in my pockets, looking at the floor, checking my watch. And I saw all these people worshiping God, and, and at first I thought, they're nuts. I mean, ooh. And then I thought, after I got past that stage, I thought to myself, maybe they got something I don't have. I mean, look at they seem happy. They seem to enjoy what they're doing, and I see people with their hands in the air. Why is it so hard for me to lift my hands? I see them clapping their hands. Why is it so hard for me to clap my hands? I, I hear them singing out loud. Why, why can't I sing? I'll tell you why. Because you're bound. Satan has bound you. People that go to football games, they act the same way you do. 
They're just shouting a different name. I got your attention now, don't I? They clap their hands. They lift their hands. Go, pack, go. Go, pack, go. We're talking about football and it's summertime. Because we got to have something to be excited about. Pretty tough to get excited about the Brewers these days, isn't it? Yeah, little kid was in court and uh, he had two abusive parents. And uh, finally the judge said, well, he said, he said son, I, I really don't know what to do. Both of your parents have abused you. I, I don't know where to put you. And the little boy raised his hand. He said, I'd like to go live with the Milwaukee Brewers. And the judge said, well, why would you want to do that? He said, because they don't beat anybody. But we get excited about sports. Why can't we get excited about God? And I'll tell you what, if you ever come to an altar and experience forgiveness, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. It'll be easy to lift your hands, to clap your hands, to shout unto God with the voice of triumph because you'll realize that the only thing that matters is that you're worshiping God for all that he's done for you and that he's worthy of your praise and all of your problems, they're looking for the exits. They're running away from you. They all vanish. They're all gone because they can't stand the presence. They can't stand the presence of God. And they realize that they are surrounded. They are surrounded. We need to praise. But we also need, we need the power of praise, but we also need the power of sight. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold... And host compassed the city both with horses and with chariots. That's what the servant saw. So the servant said unto him, Elisha, my master, what will we do? And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Folks, we better remember this. They that, with, that be with us are not only more, but greater than they that be with them. Even God had a church split. And one third of the angels were cast out with their ringleader that we call Lucifer. And they've done a lot of damage on this earth. But two thirds, twice as many, are still with God and God is greater than Lucifer. Now whose side are you gonna get on? Because I can tell you how this is gonna turn out. And I can't help it, but I just gotta say this. I, I can't watch newscasts anymore. I see, oh, this kid got shot, and these people are on drugs, and, and, and these laws are gonna be, and I go, oh my goodness, this is just all these terrible things that are happening. Problems, problems, problems. And then it's going to rain tomorrow. And it might.
it rain the next day. And then it's going to cool off. Bad news, bad news, bad news. I get tired of it. So you know what I do? I surround myself with the promises and not with the problems. Every day can be a sunny day in Jesus. Every day can be a sunny day in Jesus. We need to look at what what God is doing instead of what Satan is doing. I can't preach that right now. We need to look at what God is doing. So Elisha prayed. And he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain, there's a mountain. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Well, man of God, we're surrounded. No, Elisha said no. They're surrounded. You just don't see it. So I'm going to pray that you see it. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm praying that you see it. See what's really happening. Not what you see with your natural eyes, but that God would open your spiritual eyes and you would see that your problems are surrounded. One of my favorite, one of my favorite westerns, I like these old westerns, but one of my favorites is Quigley Down Under. I like that movie. And, and those of you that never saw it, I'm just going to tell you this. It, it is about an American marksman who can shoot an incredible distance at targets, who answers an ad from an Australian wicked rancher. And the wicked rancher wants to hire a marksman to kill aborigines. Now, Quigley didn't know that that's what he was going to be shooting at. He thought he was shooting at wild animals or something. And when he finds out that he has been hired to shoot aborigines, he will not partake. So they try to kill Quigley, and the whole movie is about that. And at the very end of the movie, there's a gunfight and all that. But after the wicked man is shot and killed by Quigley, the British come. The major and all of his soldiers come to Quigley, and they surround him like a wolf pack. And all of their rifles are pointed at one man just waiting for the major to say, shoot. But all of a sudden, a rushing mighty wind. The wind starts blowing uncontrollably from who knows where. And the dust starts flying. And when it settles down a little bit, here are these aborigines up in the mountains surrounding the British. And Quigley smiles. Because the British know that they are the ones that are surrounded. And one shot will mean that they all die. Are you getting what I'm saying today? Your problems are surrounded. And when the British understood that that was the case, they all dropped their rifles, turned their ponies, and went away. 
and Quigley looked down at one of his wounds and patched it up a little bit, and when he lifted up his head, there was nobody in the mountains. See, they'd been there all along. They just chose to make themselves visual at a vital moment. At your most vital moment, you need to focus on your promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, not to the end of the world. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, even if you don't see me, and even if you don't feel me, there I am in the midst of you. If two or more of you would agree on touching any one thing, it would be done unto you. And because I live, you will live also. Are you living in a problem dimension or are you living in a promise dimension? Do you realize that your problems are surrounded and will be defeated? Even though you can't see. We are surrounded. Look look at this. This is Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside all the problems and the sins which easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what we should be looking at, folks. Not the problems but the author and the finisher of our faith. We are meant to be an army. Take a look at Revelations 19, 11. Here's what's gonna happen one day. I saw heaven opened, and behold, there was a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. He came to make peace the first time. He came as a lamb, the first time, but this time, he'll come as a lion. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And here we are, folks, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth went a sharp sword that with it he would smite the nations, rule them with a rod of iron, and treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Just because you don't see him as that right now, you will see him as that later on. You will see that Satan has always been Surrounded. If any should fear, it should be him. We are meant to be an army. I, I've always appreciated these slogans of the military. The latest one that I can remember is an army of one. Eh, I don't like that one so much. I would prefer an army as one. An army as one. I like the musketeer's motto. motto. One for all and all for one. One for all and all for one. 
We are meant to be victorious. Let's stand together. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes. See, there's the problem. Your eyes are looking in the wrong direction. Don't look at your shoes right now. Look unto Jesus. You know, after a storm like we had, how many of you enjoyed the rain this morning? Came outside, everything smelled so fresh. Terrible storms take place, and you've got two choices. You can look for mud holes, or you can look for rainbows. We're still here, folks. God's still keeping his promises. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun will not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going in, going out, and thy coming in from this time forth. And here's the consistency, and even forevermore. Jesus, help us today to see what you see all the time. Help us to realize that the things that we see are temporal, like even our problems. They come and they go, and we're still here. But the things which are not seen, your presence, your power, your might, your promises are eternal. Help us to realize that when we're going through problems, you're right in the center of it with us. That if we would take the time to praise, and if we would ask you to help us to see what's really happening spiritually, that you would show us, and that the mountains are surrounded with chariots of fire, and your angels are at your call when we call on you. Help us today to come to this altar and leave our problems, but take our promises. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.